Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on everyone, my name is Andy, welcome back to another FPL video. In this one it's the Game Week 13 preview where I'm going to run through a bunch of your questions and give you my opinion. So if you enjoyed the video make sure to give it a like, hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already and let's jump into it. So let's start with one of the most popular questions this week. Who are the best Matoma and Bowen replacements that aren't in Burma? Now it is worth saying, at the time of recording, neither Matoma or Bowen has been ruled out of game week 13. We think there's a chance it could happen, but we'll need to wait and see what's said in the press conferences on Friday. And I will cover that in final thoughts, but it's still a good chance to look at possible replacements, mostly because so many people ask me about it. Now I know the question says that aren't in Burma, but if you don't own him, I do think he's one of the top options to bring in. I know that he's got Arsenal at home this week, but the next four fixtures after that are decent. He blanks in game week 18, but game week 19 fixture is good. Possible double in game week 20 as well. I can't see any reason not for him to be one of the best options to bring in if you don't already own him. And essentially, I don't think there's anyone that's so good this week that they're worth the extra transfer. So some people might be thinking about getting Eze for Luton away and then using a transfer to get in Burmo after the Arsenal game. I just don't think it's worth it. I would just get him straight in. In terms of other options, these two being out does open up a lot of different midfielders you could look at. So I've got the Arsenal ones listed here, both Saka and Martinelli. Obviously, whether you're, the, whether you're replacing Matoma or Bowen will kind of factor into which player you go for because it will depend on how much money you've got to spend. But if you've got that little bit extra to get Saka and you don't already own him, I do think he's a solid option over this Christmas period. The next three fixtures are pretty good from an attacking perspective. And to be honest, even the ones after that aren't that bad. You might not like them from a defensive point of view, but Villa away in 16, Brighton at home in 17, they're not bad fixtures for Saka. After Liverpool away in 18, it's West Ham at home, Fulham away, Palace at home. Saka is someone that you can just put in and leave and just forget about him unless an issue crops up or you really need money to spend elsewhere. So if you don't have him and you've got a bit more money to spend, I do like that option. You could look at Martinelli as well. I'm not quite so keen on him. I think if you've got that extra money, Saka is definitely worth it. He might take some penalties as well. I just think when they get everyone back fit, Martinelli's minutes will be reduced a little bit. Now, he's definitely first choice. He's going to start on that left more often than not. But when Jesus and Nketiah are fit, 
they're more likely to play through the middle, which means Trossard won't play there. And I think Trossard is too good just to be left on the bench all the time. So even if it means he's coming on in like the 70th minute, that is Martinelli getting reduced minutes. And when the fixtures are coming thick and fast, we might see Trossard get a start on the left as well, just to give Martinelli a bit of a break. And if you're looking at double up on the attack, I'm not convinced by it with Arsenal. I actually prefer double defence. I just think their underlying stats are not looking great so far this season. And will that catch up with them at some point? Possibly. I don't mind Marseille as a differential, but I don't think if you've got the money, he's better than Saka. Eze is someone that's really popular at the moment. I completely get that. It's Luton away, West Ham away, Bournemouth at home. The next three fixtures are pretty good. They do get worse after that. But again, we are coming up to a period where there's a lot of games. You know he's always going to start. He takes all set pieces. He's on penalties. Liverpool at home, Man City away, Brighton at home, Chelsea away between 16 and 19 it's not great on paper but i don't think it would be the end of the world if you had to hold on to eze so let's say you've got um a similar midfield to me right salason saka you've got a spot for in burma and you've also got the money to, for eze is eze as a fifth midfielder bad with those fixtures at a time when you know he's going to start all those games i don't think so so i don't think he's ahead of in burma but i think in addition given that he's only 6.1 million he's a solid option i think he's just one of those that if you've got him, you're never going to be looking at him as a you know fire that you've got to put out. You've got to get rid of him. But if you get to those tougher fixtures and you've got a spare transfer and there's someone else you can move to, then I think he's a solid transfer. That, he's that kind of player, basically. Someone you're never really going to be particularly worried about. So I do think he's quite a strong option, especially with the price. If you want to go mega differential, Brennan Johnson, I think, is still only 5.8 million. I'm just going to double check here. Uh, he is yeah 5.8 million we know they've got Villa at home this week it is Man City away in 14 which isn't ideal then it's West Ham at home Newcastle at home Forest away Everton at home I mean playing West Ham and Newcastle maybe not great on paper but that's three home games in four after the Man City game you just got to worry about when Richarlison might be back but to be honest with you I think Brennan Johnson might be ahead of him in the pecking order anyway so again not a I think in general, when I've looked at the replacements for Bowen and Matoma, there isn't one apart from maybe in Burmo, Saka, possibly Eze, that stands out as this is the definite one to go for. You can almost go with your gut a little bit, go for a, a bit of a punt, the one that you kind of fancy more, whoever it might be. You know, you can make your decision based on whatever, I don't know, factors you want to use. And I think Brennan Johnson is definitely up there as one of the differentials you could look at. Just quickly running through the rest. Kudus, obviously, if Bowen is out, then Kudus's minutes are going to be great. I'm not sure for West Ham in general if it's going to be a great thing if both Bowen and Antonio are missing. Um, like, I think Kudus's minutes will be good, and I think he's a good player, but I don't think overall for West Ham that's necessarily a good thing. But the fixtures kind of are there for West Ham. So if I just bring up one of their players here, should have prepared this really. Here we go. It's Burnley away this week, as we know. That's where lots of people brought Bowen in. Palace at home in 14. Spurs away in 15. Fulham away in 16. Wolves at home in 17. So I'd say that four of the next five are pretty good. And even Spurs away might not be quite so bad without players like Van der Ven being available. So I do like Kudus as a pun. He's only, what, 6.5? I think he went up in price. No, 6.5 million. So he's a nice... Again, he's in and around that kind of in Burmo and Eze price, like right in the middle. So if you wanted to go for a West Ham player that is likely to get very good minutes over the next few weeks, he's definitely someone to look at. And then you've got the Chelsea boys. Now, on paper, Newcastle away is not great. They've obviously got some injury concerns at the moment. I don't think it's the worst time to play them, but they are very strong at home. 
So I don't know if there's a mad rush to get them this week, but from 14 onwards, Chelsea players look pretty good. I think Cole Palmer provides excellent value. He's on penalties. It's going to allow you to spend more money elsewhere. But I wouldn't completely disregard Sterling. I think if the penalties dried up for Palmer... I'd be more confident, which they will, by the way. Um, I'd be more confident in Sterling getting attacking returns. Like, he's already 13 points ahead of Palmer for the season. He has played more minutes for Chelsea, but he hasn't got penalties or anything like that. I just think he's more likely to continue getting those attacking returns. And I just quite like the fixtures for Chelsea. It feels like they're on the up at the moment, and Kunku should be back soon, possibly even for game week 13. So for Sterling at 6.9 million, again, that's a pretty good differential over a period where I think his minutes will be great, even with Nkunku back, and the fixtures are decent as well. So I think a lot of this revolves around whether or not you already own Mbermo. Like I think Eze is good, I think Kudis is good, I think Sterling is good, but I don't think any of them are better than Mbermo. But if you've already got him or you don't want him, then you can start looking at those other players. So I guess it's a case of just take your pick. Saka would be great if you've got the extra money. Next in line, I would probably go for Eze, because I just think of what he offers. But Sterling as a differential should definitely be kind of um, jumping out at you a little bit. So what are my thoughts on Solanke as a seventh attacker? The next few fixtures look really good. Now, I did discuss him on my early thoughts video last week, but I appreciate it's been an international break. A lot of people will have switched off, and they're only coming back just before the deadline now. So I will quickly talk about him again. Um, I think in isolation... He's a really solid FPL option. He'll only cost you 6.4 million. The underlying stats are pretty good. 0.44 expected goals per 90, 0.06 expected assists for someone that's always going to play 90 minutes, going to start every game over Christmas. And if, I've said this before, if Bournemouth ever get a penalty, he should take it as well. So all around, he's a solid FPL option at a good price in isolation. I think for most people at the moment, they're on 3-5-2. And if you've got Haaland... If Solanke is your seventh attacker, that means you don't have someone like Isaac or Darwin or Watkins. And then the conversation gets a little bit different. Now, I'm not saying all three of those players are definitely better than Solanke, but I don't think you could say that Solanke is definitively the best seventh attacker in that case, in that particular scenario. I think because of his minutes, you could possibly make a case that he is better than Darwin, because although I think Darwin is definitely first choice at the moment... He is obviously susceptible to being subbed at times. There might be some games where he misses out, like game week 13 after the international break. With Solanke, you know he's always going to start. Same with Izak. Even with Wilson out, will Izak play 90 minutes every single game? It's very unlikely given European competitions and the fact he's just back from injury and stuff like that. So even in that conversation, it's still pretty close. So I think overall, I have to say that I really rate him as an option. I don't necessarily think he's better than Watkins, though. So if you're on Haaland... And Watkins at the moment, I don't see any reason to bring Solanke in unless you need the money for another move. So I guess the question then for me would be, what is that money being used for? If it's to go from, I don't know, a cheap midfielder up to an Inbermo or an Eze or to upgrade your defence to Saliba or Trippier or someone like that, then maybe that is worth it. But for most people, I feel like if you're on a 3-5-2, you've probably got two forwards that you can just keep. If you're on a 3-4-3... And he's just one of your seven, uh, one of your main seven attackers. Then absolutely fair enough. Get him in for six point four million. I guess the other thing to kind of note is, would we even be talking about him if he hadn't scored two goals against Newcastle? I think in general, even if he blanked in that game, he would still be a solid option for the price. But I think a lot of people are now thinking about him that weren't before, and that's fine, right? We've all done it. I bought in Sterling after his haul and then sold in the week after. But just think about that. No one was really talking about him before. And all of a sudden, he scored two goals against Newcastle. And then a lot of people want to get him in. That's why I'm kind of just urging a bit of caution here. He is good. 
but I don't think many people need a forward transfer this week. Um, in terms of the fixtures as well, I think a lot of the good ones are away from home. Like they have got like they have got some good home games coming up, but they're not until like game week 17 and game week 90, which is still quite a bit. Uh, sorry, still quite far away. So it's Sheffield United away this week. And look, don't get me wrong, I would not worry if my attacker was playing against their, uh, Sheffield United home or away. But again, do you really need him this week if you've already got a solid squad? Villa at home in 14, Palace away in 15, Man United away in 16. And again, all those fixtures could be fine, but I don't think they're amazing on paper. From 17 to 19, it is better. Luton at home, Forest away, Fulham at home. But then they run straight into Spurs away and Liverpool at home. So I don't know. I just think he's a good option. But I think all of a sudden people are not ripping up their teams, but they're making transfers. I just don't think they necessarily need to do. So if you need a new forward, right, because I don't know who you'd even have. I don't know. Someone's injured or whatever. Or you really need the money for another move. Then absolutely, I like Solanke. But I think for most people, if I asked everyone watching this to send me their squad, which don't do that, by the way. There'll be way too many to go through. I would suggest that for most people, I would say you probably just don't need Solanke. But he is a good option. So what would be my selling order for Son, Saka and Watkins? I.e., who would I sell first? Who would I sell last? I think this question would have been easier to answer a couple of weeks ago before Madison got injured for Spurs, before Saka underwhelmed against Sheffield United and Burnley. But I think ultimately my answer will end up being the same, that I would sell Watkins first, then Saka, and I would save Son until last. From an FBL point of view, they all offer kind of similar things, right? They're absolutely nailed to start. Even with the fixture congestion we've got coming up, you would expect these players to probably start all of those games. It's not completely out of the question that they could get benched, but I just don't really see it. And they all offer pretty good underlying stats. Now, I haven't checked this before I started recording, um, but I'm going to look at their stats on Fantasy Football Hub. If you want to uh, sign up for Hub, by the way, and check all this stuff out for yourself, there's a 30-day free trial at the moment and 30% off for Black Friday. So make sure to check that out. Links in the description below. Uh, but if we look at the underlying stats, so Watkins, 0.6 expected goals, 0.13 expected assists. That is pretty decent. It is going to be a little bit lower for Saka, 0.24 expected goals 0.32 expected assists so his underlying stats are slightly worse but he's also a midfielder so extra point for a goal extra point for a clean sheet which of which i think arsenal are pretty good for those plus he will probably take some penalties but i have to keep saying that which i hate but we know he's not going to take all of them as we've seen this season um so i do still think even though the stats are slightly worse i still kind of rate saka overall plus the fixtures are slightly better for Arsenal coming up too. We've got to obviously touch on that in a minute. And then with Son, if I can just bring him up here, he's 0.42 non-penalty expected goals per 90, 0.19 expected assists. So slightly down on Watkins again, but also he's a midfielder. He's probably first choice penalty taker for Spurs. We saw him take a penalty for South Korea during the international break. So I still, even though their stats are slightly worse so far this season... I still think they are better options for FPL, mostly because they're midfielders and arguably the fixtures are better for both Spurs and Arsenal than they are for what Aston Villa have coming up. Now, there's not a lot in it, to be honest, um, because for, for Villa, it's Spurs away this week. Again, might not be as bad as it looked a few weeks ago. Then it's Bournemouth away. Then they've got to play Man City and Arsenal, but both games are at home. Then it's Brentford away in 17 and Sheffield United at home in 18. So they're not awful by any means. I just think Arsenal's are slightly better. Like they get to play Brentford away, Wolves at home, Luton away, next three. Then it's Villa away, Brighton at home. Now those next five overall are pretty good. And then for Spurs, outside of Man City away in 14, 
They've got a lot of home games coming up. Villa, West Ham, Newcastle. Forest away in 17, like I mentioned earlier. Everton at home in 18. It's Brighton away in 19. Bournemouth at home in 20. The fixtures are just good for Spurs for a little while. So I just think, disregarding the differences in price, because obviously Son's the most expensive, then Saka, then Watkins, I think I'd rather have the two midfielders. And also, I guess there are still quite a few midfield options you can move to, but it does feel like there's a good few forwards at the moment as well. So Watkins could go to Solanke, Darwin Nunez, maybe Isaac, who we're going to talk about in a minute. So don't get me wrong, I'm not sitting here saying that Watkins has to be sold. I'm just trying to answer a question out of those three specific players. I think a lot of people are in this boat, right? They, I've got all three of those players, and Salah, and Haaland, and Palmer, and I'm probably going to get in Burmo this week. I mentioned this already, I think, um, in game week 12. Once I make that in Burmo move, I've basically got seven attackers that are pretty much nailed on to start every game. Maybe not with Cole Palmer, but I'm not particularly worried about it because of his price. And unless one gets injured or I need the money to make a bigger move elsewhere, I don't need to transfer any of them out over the next few weeks. And I think in some cases, there's players that people want to get in, so they're trying to find out who they need to sell or who they should sell, when actually they probably don't need to go out of their way to do it. So that would be my general feeling with Son, Saka and Watkins. Sure, if you want to bring someone else in, absolutely fine. If you need the money, then sell one. My preference would probably be Watkins, although there's not much in it. But you definitely don't need to go out of your way to sell any of those players right now. And I know with Son, he's he's blanked twice in a row. One game was Chelsea, down to nine men for a lot of that. One game was uh, against Wolves without Madison. But that's just one game. I'm not ready to write him off. Like someone put on the YouTube comments, Son could be your new Rashford, i.e. I'm going to hold on to him too long. That could be the case. But also, Son might just be really good without Madison and we don't know it yet. I want to at least give him the Aston Villa game. Um, in terms of... The points projections um, on Hub for all players, if I go to kind of 10 million or less, like Son's right up there at the top. Then it's Bruno, interestingly. I mean, nailed on on penalties. He's always going to be up there. Then it's Saka, then in Burmo, then Darwin, then Watkins. So that kind of agrees with me there. Over the next kind of from game week 13 to 20, the Son and Saka might be a little bit better. But for what it's worth, we are talking about very minimal differences in projected points. Like for Saka over that period, it's 217 for Watkins, it's 20.1. So honestly, that's my preference as well. But if you've got... If you think, oh, I'm just going to get rid of Saka, I want to keep Watkins, perfectly fine. There's hardly anything in it. It's just what I would do. And you know what? I'm often wrong if you watch this channel a bit. With so many injuries cropping up, should we just disregard a player's upcoming fixtures and bring them in if they are nailed for 90 minutes and starts during the festive period? I'm thinking about Eze, but he's got bad fixtures coming up. Now, I would say when you're making an FPL decision, you want to take into account as many variables as possible. And three of those are starts, minutes, and fixtures. So I wouldn't disregard any of them. Could you say that because of the additional matches in December, it's slightly more important to have nailed on players for 90 minutes? Yes, you probably could say that, and I would agree with it. But it wouldn't mean that I wouldn't look at fixtures at all. You want to try and take everything into account remember that those variables might change week to week or month to month it's why i hate discussions around stuff like fixtures versus form i could spend ages talking about that in pre-season but something that happens in game week 10 might completely alter what i do in game week 11 and that whole discussion from pre-season just goes out of the window so to give you an example right let's look at ollie watkins and i know i've talked about him quite a lot but I would say that the fixtures coming up are not great. They've got Spurs away this week, Bournemouth away is fine, but then it's Man City and Arsenal. So you could look at it and say, next four game weeks, 
Spurs, Man City and Arsenal. That is not great, right? So you could look at another forward instead. But then we think about the additional variables. Spurs, they're going to be without Van de Ven and Romero. So it might not be the worst time to play them. But also, I've got to go for a better forward than Watkins for this week. Darwin Nunez, not sure if he's going to start. Man City away is definitely harder than Spurs away. Izak, we're going to talk about later, but he's just back from injury. Will he definitely play 90 minutes? Probably not. And so there's all those things to take into account. Solanke against Sheffield United away. Is he much better than Watkins and worth a transfer? Probably not. So once I'm past that Spurs game, I'm then into Bournemouth away, and I'll probably just keep hold of him. So I'm reassessing from game week 15. So it's not a case of all of a sudden I think that fixtures don't matter, because I definitely do. There's just other things to take into account. Reese James, who we're not going to talk about much in this video, but I know is going to come up over the next few weeks. Chelsea have got good fixtures. We know what he's capable of, but we also know that he's very prone to getting injuries and stuff like that. So part of your thinking about whether to bring him in might be how many other issues you've got in your team. If you've got those attackers that I spoke about, Salasson, Saka, Watkins, Haaland, Imbermo, etc., that you know are going to start, then you know if Reese James gets injured, unless something else big has happened, you can deal with that. Whereas if you've got a bunch of other players you're not quite sure about, maybe you wouldn't go for Reese James. So it's not just a case of is he good or not, it's about who else you've got in your squad. To come back to the Eze point, and the fact that he's nailed on, but the fixtures are going to get slightly worse, I guess that depends on who you're comparing him to. So let's take Liverpool players as an example. Carlton Morris is probably going to start, I would say, almost every game over December. Darwin Nunez probably isn't. But without taking price into account, which of those two players would you prefer? Probably Darwin Nunez, right? Even with the reduced minutes, because you expect him to get more returns when he's on the pitch. But if it was Jota versus Eze, and Liverpool had slightly better fixtures than Palace, I'd probably favour Eze, because I know he's going to start and he's got penalties, whereas Jota is going to miss some games. So I'm not trying to like sit on the fence here and not give a proper answer but there are too many things to consider to just straight up say that fixtures don't matter because they definitely do and if you've got two players they're nailed on similar stats both going to play 90 minutes then you're always going to take the better fixtures and therefore i wouldn't disregard it so maybe right now there is slightly more importance on getting nailed on players that are going to play 90 minutes. But I would also argue those players are very useful at other times of the season because it's not like injuries and suspensions only happen in December. With the additional fixtures, maybe it's more likely. But you could easily go and get an injury in game week 25 that's going to affect you. And if you've got a bunch of nailed on 90-minute players, you've got less issues to worry about. So, yeah, hopefully that helps. I, I appreciate that Darwin versus Carlton Morris is not... Um, a, a kind of debate that people are having right it's just to show you or try and kind of get my point across but yeah i would always look at fixtures but nailed on 90 minute players are very useful so our fulham defenders being overlooked they have great fixtures and arguably the best fixture in game week 18 so i would say they are being overlooked although possibly for good reason i'll come back onto that in a minute but i do agree on the fixtures point for the next five to six they're not bad they're cheap enough that you can bench in the more difficult fixtures and they cover certain game weeks pretty nicely. So this week, for example, I'm sure a lot of you watching and listening are looking at your defense thinking it doesn't look great. Well, Fulham have got Wolves at home. So on paper, that's not a bad fixture. I mean, Wolves haven't exactly struggled for goals this year and the Fulham defense isn't watertight. So I'm not saying it's a guaranteed clean sheet or anything like that. But on paper, it probably is one of the best fixtures for game week 13. Liverpool away in 14 is tough. Then it's back-to-back -back home games. Nottingham Forest at home. 
in 15. Awani is going to be out for a little while. Uh, West Ham at home in 16. I don't think that's that easy either, to be honest. But it's another home game at least. Then it's Newcastle away in 17. And then Burnley at home in 18 when Brentford and Man City are going to blank. So having an extra player there off your bench with a good fixture is pretty decent. Is it the best fixture in 18? Probably not because Villa are playing Sheffield United at home. But it's pretty close. So I get why people are looking at Fulham. My problem is that defence is not very good. I think most of us with Ariola are looking at him as not a massive problem from an FPL point of view, but also not someone that's going to get us a huge amount of clean sheets. And West Ham so far this season have conceded 1.66 expected goals per 90. Do you know how many Fulham have conceded? 1.66. They're just as bad from what we've seen so far. So I don't necessarily expect a huge amount of clean sheets, but considering their defenders are 4.5 or below... I guess it's not unreasonable to at least think about it if you've got a spare transfer and if you only want to cover those certain game weeks. In terms of who to buy, that does get a little bit trickier. I think the most nailed on defender is probably Tim Ream. He has scored this season against Man City back in game week four, but it's worth noting he's only got one goal in the previous four seasons, so I'm not sure that's going to be um, repeated that much, but he probably is the most nailed. I think given what we've seen in recent weeks, the two first choice fullbacks are probably Robinson on the left and Castagna on the right but if you're a Fulham fan let me know in the comments below what you think and the reason that I say that is in game week five Robinson was injured against Luton and he didn't play he's played 90 minutes in every game outside of that in that match Tete played right back which is where he played for most of last season and Castagna played left back now after game week five when Robinson was back Tete then got injured and wasn't available and so Castagna just played right back, and that's been working fine. But when they're all fit, will Tete get minutes at right back? And if he does, does that mean that Castagna goes to left back, or does he just get benched? I'm not quite sure there. Presumably, Robinson will continue playing, because he did play like, all of last season, plus um, obviously 90 minutes in most games this week, as, uh, sorry, this season as well. And he's only 4.4 million. But is Castagna potentially going to provide an issue if Tete is wanted back into that back four so i'm not quite sure on that and so if you want to go for an absolutely nail player it's probably tim ream but in terms of a little bit of excitement you probably want to go for one of the fullbacks i just don't know overall if there's enough to kind of go on there like is wolves at home a better fixture than say a brentford away for an arsenal or a luton away for palace probably but both palace and arsenal are better defenses and i just think in most weeks where fulham have got a good fixture it's not like they're suddenly the best options to go for because of how bad their the defense is in terms of clean sheets. So, yeah, they're being overlooked. I have looked at them when I've gone through my transfer plans to kind of cover certain weeks. But I just, when I think about it, can I actually see myself going through with transferring in a Fulham defender? The long term, I'm definitely not going to want. I would say probably not. So it might fit in for some people's squads, but for the majority, you can probably just ignore them. So nice and simple, what are my thoughts on Isaac? Now, I should say, a bit like how we don't know whether Bowen and Matoma are definitely going to be out of game week 13, we don't know whether Isaac is definitely going to be back. There's lots of talk on social media that he's going to be fit after the international break, but will that be fit enough to start in game week 13, or will he just be in the squad and make an appearance off the bench? We don't really know, at least at the time of recording, and we're relying on Eddie Howe to give us the information, and I'm not sure we're going to get what we want. So I would be pretty cautious about going for Isaac in game week 13. In theory, if Wilson is out for four to six weeks, then Isaac becomes a really good option because he would definitely be on penalties. 
the amount of starts should go up and obviously his minutes would increase as well i just worry with the amount of games that newcastle have about whether Isaac can start them all and also would newcastle want to be a bit more cautious because if wilson is out for four to six weeks you don't want to also lose lose Isaac for that length of time as well. Of course, other players can play in that number nine role like Anthony Gordon, but it's not as good as having Isaac or Wilson there. And if you look at the amount of fixtures they've got, this Saturday, it's Chelsea at home, right? Then it's PSG away on the Tuesday, and then it's Man United at home on the Saturday. Now, to be fair, the gap between Tuesday and Saturday is quite long between PSG and Man United. The gap between Chelsea and PSG in a must-win game for Newcastle, I would say, is not that big. And Isaac potentially is only just back from injury. So are they going to play him against Chelsea for 90 minutes and then rely on him for the PSG game? I'm not so sure about that. And then after Man United on Saturday, the 2nd, they play on Thursday the 7th against Everton. Again, there is a pretty decent gap there. It's going to be worse for other teams. But then the Spurs game away is on the 10th of December. So it's only three days later. So I think the next five matches, Chelsea, PSG, Man United, Newcastle, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, Man United, then Everton, then Spurs, are from Saturday the 25th of November to the 10th of December. I just don't think Isaac is going to play all those games. I think he almost has to play the Champions League game if he's fit. So already, I think he's going to start to miss some Premier League games. Now, is he good enough that even without playing all those games, he's still going to return good points? Probably. But I don't know if he's much better than Darwin Nunez. And I don't know if he's better than Watkins. And they're all in and around a similar price. I know Isaac's a bit cheaper than Watkins. But I just don't see why you would go there. So then you're almost looking at Isaac as a third forward. Is he worth the money over someone like Solanke? Again, I'm not quite sure about it. I think there is the potential for Isaac to be one of the best differentials over this period. But I don't know if there's a mad rush to get him in right now and on paper the fixtures aren't amazing anyway like New, uh, newcastle are very strong at home so chelsea at home this week then man united at home obviously spurs away they've got coming up over the next four they could still do well but i just don't think there's a mad rush to get there doesn't need to be a mad rush to get him in i think that champions league game against psg could be interesting though because if they lose that they'd then be on four points after five games like the chances of qualifying at that point become you know, it's, it's just probably not going to happen. So in that case, there could be rests in the last game against Milan. I think James on Planet FPL mentioned that as well. But we need to wait and see. Because if they beat PSG, then suddenly that Milan game might be one that they go all out to win. And if Isaac's going to play that on the 13th of December, is he also going to play against Spurs on the 10th and Fulham on the 16th? I would say probably not. So I like Isaac. And I think a lot of us this season have said or i've said at least that when they're both fit isaac and wilson i just don't want to go there. there's too much rotation so all of a sudden wilson's out isaac should become a great option but i just think when you take in all those factors i just again i just don't think there's that rush to get him so i think he's brilliant i think when he does play he'll get lots of points i'm just not sure if he's going to play enough to warrant going for him over a different forward but let me know what you think in the comments below. If you enjoyed that video, give it a like. Hit that subscribe button. If you're listening on podcasts, please do make sure to rate five stars and leave a review as well. Otherwise, I'll catch you tomorrow for final thoughts. Sports Social Podcast Network.